Welcome to a very special episode of Happy Time in the Murder Basement, where today I'm actually the person getting interviewed. I got asked to be on Useless Wizards podcast, the miniature podcast, which you should check out. It's fantastic. And we took turns interviewing each other. This episode's going to be me. The episode later in this week's going to be him on my show. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you for being here. podcast thank you so much for joining us today's guest is heath from hobby time in the murder basement how's it going heath it's going very well your voice just like you went into pro mode right there and yeah. it was beautiful absolutely beautiful yeah don't uh, don't get me started on my customer service voice it's even more scary <laughs> so for those of our audience who have no idea who you are which i can't imagine is that many if they've been paying attention to the hobby podcast world can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh my name's heath aldrich i have been doing miniature painting for the last like almost three years and um i started off in the middle of uh covid like trying to find something like my wife stayed home and worked so i needed to do something to stay out of her hair and starting a podcast seemed like a really good idea and uh you know we're now i've been doing it for a little over six months and it's all loose free form conversational style po uh podcast uh kind of more in like the lines of like uh like a mark Marin sort of you just dive in and you talk about the shit that you love and um and it's been really cool getting to know everybody and um you know, because that was what we were supposed to do at conventions this year. Yep. And now I, I, I have given a different view of some of these streamers and YouTubers to an audience that were in the same boat. We're hoping that they could meet these people at cons and never could. And so just kind of being a little bit more altruistic and bringing everybody in and, and trying to, you know, increase the visibility of the hobby uh, and, you know, just also make people just feel more comfortable in the hobby, too, because when you realize that, you know, Vince Venturella, besides being a machine, is a human, <laughs> you know, like you're like, whoa, OK, this is really cool. And uh, it's just been it's been really special to to be a part of it. And the Twitch community has just been super cool to be able to get into and and enjoy uh, everybody's company because it's I've never been in any community quite like it. It's it's a really unique and very special community, and I'm I'm super proud to be part of it. I'm super proud to, um, both as a streamer and as a uh, as an audience member. It's uh it's a wonderful place, and I really appreciate the fact that you started your podcast in a uh, with the the desire to humanize these people that we look up to, like like Vince and Miniac, and you know all these different people that like. I, I, I suffer from fangirl moments. Like when I first saw Vince, I was like, Oh my God, that's Vince Venturella. I want to say hi, but I can't cause it's Vince. Um, and you know, I only knew him as someone who was on YouTube and, um, the, these types of podcasts that you're doing is, uh, I think really helpful for getting people to be more more comfortable with realizing that these people are real people and they like nerding out about tiny little plastic army people just like we do which is yeah. awesome well and and just like hearing like when i was like talking with like jason slow fuse like all i've ever known is you know uh uh pro curl paints mm -hmm. and monument hobbies and just the fact that he is really funny on stream and he's talking about being like an old punk rocker and he did all these band things and started a record label i'm like this is amazing <laughs> like i like i totally forgot that there was something before miniatures here yeah. to learn about and you know stuff like that you know where where else are you going to run into that uh, and and the fact that uh, so many people have been honest and open it's unbelievable that's fantastic yeah just learning more about the people behind the hobby personas is uh, a huge thing and I very much appreciate the window that you've been able to provide 
into a lot of these people's. So Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. So let's uh, let's switch focus to you and your hobby. Uh, how did you start painting miniatures? Regardless of what it looks like, this is not beer. This is ginger beer. It's soda. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I had to quit drinking a couple years back okay. um, because uh, I had a massive bleeding ulcer, oh, wow. and I had to I had to run into the uh, idea of my health or uh, my health or my sobriety sort of thing and um or my health and sobriety versus you know continuing to just casually drink all the time and um and it wasn't it wasn't going to work uh the alcohol was a huge part of why i had an ulcer and um and and it was the huge trigger of all all my pain and so i um had to quit drinking like that which I was not ready for. I was emotionally not ready for what that did to me. Mm. And so I was just kind of like left with all this like weird unbridled energy because like I was, dr I was drinking to keep my ADD down. I was drinking to okay. keep the, like the noises in my head down. And, um, and I found myself like just kind of lost. And I, I don't even remember how I stumbled on kingdom death. But I saw Gorm, that weird little angler oh, fish man. baby thing. And it was just like, I just saw that face and I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, what is that? This is amazing. That's exactly what I thought. But I thought I was like, what is that? What? That is the ugliest what? thing I've ever seen in my life. I hate that model. I hate it. It's, I'm glad you it, enjoy it. It's one of those that like, it was so... <sighs> I mean, it messed me up when I saw it. I was like, yeah. I have to see this. And so I was like, I had a buddy who had always been trying to get me into Warhammer. And I was like, dude, Kennard, tell me about this miniature painting thing. What's it like? And he's like, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's worked at Games Workshop. He's used to like having to paint. And and for him, it was hate painting. And um, okay. I was like, yeah, but I think I could do this. Like, is it hard? He's like, no, it's just like, you have to be in the right mood. And I was like, I think I'm in the right mood. So I sold a bunch of stuff. I bought Kingdom Death. I bought Gorm. And um, and I just dove like headfirst into the deep end. I like I didn't even check for rocks. I just like, well, here we are. I'm diving in. <laughs> yeah, and um The rocks should was... have been like the four hundred dollar monster the Kingdom Death Monsters starter <laughs> and the fact that Gorm exists. Those were the rocks, and you're like, sweet, I'm gonna grab onto these rocks and I'm gonna bear hug them. Yeah, that was basically it. And, you know, uh, you know, almost three years now, it's just uh -huh. been a huge part of what, um, you know, keeps me sane. It allows me to uh, get to that flow state, something that like video games used to do. Yeah. And do not to me anymore. Uh, I, you know, like it's the thing that turns my brain off. And, well, and like, but also like expands it at the exact same time. So whereas most people that I've talked to have gotten in, involved with the hobby through Warhammer and Space Marines or Dungeons and Dragons, for you, it was Kingdom Death. That's really interesting. Um, I can't, because most Kingdom Death models are fairly intimidating as far yeah. as the number of pieces they have, the, uh, the complexity of the builds and the sculpts, and the fact that you saw that what was your thought when you first opened up the box and saw how many pieces make these models up? I, I didn't know any better. You know, okay. like if you if you start learning Japanese in a predominantly uh, English speaking country at a young age and you don't know that Japanese is not the language that you should be learning, you're going to just learn Japanese. So I learned like people were complaining about Malflow and I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, this isn't bad. Kingdom Death is like way worse. You know, <laughs> like you know, like everything about a hobby for me was just like, oh, well, you guys, I don't know what you're talking about. And like everybody's like complaining about easy to build stuff and like, oh, you can't pose it. And I was like, who cares? This is beautiful. This is great. Like easy to build is the way to go. <laughs> like I'm actually thrilled that things are getting easier and more dynamic because like building some of that stuff was yeah, it was hard. Yeah. There, like there there's no there's there's no instruction manual to do it their website yep. is garbage like you have to figure it out and it's it's really it bad was, it was, yeah i uh I, 
if I ever get to talk to Poots, I have some words for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe they need a technical writer and a like a a, a technical um, graphic designer to work together. And like, this is how you you know. Did you ever take any of those classes where like write the instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Did you did right. you ever take any of those classes where you like like walk to the cupboard, use your left hand, open the cupboard, use your right hand, grab right. the you know, step by step, that kind of technical writing. Maybe they need to hire somebody to do that for their uh for the assembly instructions. They definitely do. I, well, I had a friend who wrote a book about the step-by-step instructions on how to buy the right bra for your, yourself. And it was one of the funniest things because she broke it down to like that sort of level. I was like, I was not ready to learn this much about buying a bra, but I'm really mm. glad that I've had this experience right now. <laughs> okay. Well, you definitely jumped in the deep end bear hugged those rocks and made them your friends. Um, when you're working on your models, where do you get your inspiration for your for your paint jobs or if you're doing a diorama or a base, where do you go for inspiration? I know you're a, a big music person, but does that influence it at all? You know, I mean, I think that just being informed by fantasy and sci-fi worlds and kind of the expectation that goes into them you know, I look at that and be like, well, I need to have, you know, uh, you know, X, Y, Z to get kind of the vibe, you know, because mm-hmm. I can't just do like the sand on the base. Like I, I've been working this conquest army right now and I've been doing the dumbest bases because I just don't want to put the time into okay. like a huge, you know, rank and flank army because like, I don't really know how the bases will line up. And mm-hmm. it's, it bothers me because like, I usually like doing interesting things. I like doing like milliput and like texture rollers. You know, I have all these cool tools that I've amassed and I haven't been doing it on this army. And it kind of um kind of bums me out because excuse me. I would like to have more time to do stuff like that. But mainly it's just like you know, you close your eyes and imagine what a you know the battlefield you want it to look like or the environment that you want it to look like and and just start trying to make it so like the kingdom death stuff i was like yeah there's supposed to be faces all over the ground Mm -hmm. you only have so much face stuff in there so i kind of made like a a stamp mold that i can make a couple little like repeating things but then it's just like moss and dirt and you know like water effects and like gloss null oil and things to just like make them kind of grungy and you know something that like make it feel hostile mm-hmm. and uh you know so it's that sort of thing like in and you know at tabletop length that none of it matters it's all, like when you're like looking at it right here it's all fine but like none of my friends ever noticed the effort that i put into their models so i don't yeah. know all right so is there a uh, a piece of art or an artist that uh inspires you to the point where you keep going back to it is like a reference for multiple projects. Um, I think, so this is where like music would come into it for mm-hmm. me. And like nine inch nails is probably like the one thing that whenever I need just like, Oh yeah, you can break all the rules and just like, you know, follow your heart sort of thing. Yeah. They're like the band that I listen to a lot and specifically the, um, the keyboardist in the band, the synthesis, he is, his name's Alessandro Cortini, and he does some of the most amazing stream of consciousness, ambient synth stuff. Okay. It's incredible. Like he has an industrial project, which I really dig, but like he has these like instrumental albums. He's got like seven or eight of them now, and they're incredible. Every single one of them is, and I'll just sit back and like, just zone out to those and just like like i said is if i can get into the flow state while hobbying which is harder to do on twitch admittedly although i have found a way to like balance those two things out um i really like you know something where i can just really get lost in it and so like a single piece of art no but like kind of like a genre of sound that just kind of like every time i listen to it i find something to be inspired by I find it to be really beautiful and soothing and sometimes like awkward and uncomfortable. And I think that that plays into the, the horror of 
you know, the grim dark future, you know, any 40 K sure. stuff it works great for anything peaceful that works great for. It's just something that kind of always sparks my imagination. Awesome. So when over the last three and a half years, can you share any uh, Eureka moments you've had? <laughs> uh, figuring out not to use Vallejo primer through my airbrush was like a huge Eureka moment. Okay. It, I like every time I'd use it, it would clog my airbrush and I thought that airbrush was bad. And, uh, and like, once I realized that like, I just have to run Steinal res one because I couldn't get it for a while for some reason. Mm -hmm. Once I got like actual airbrush primer, (laughs) like I was like, Oh, the airbrush can do so much more because it's not always clogged. And then like playing with things like inks through the airbrush. Those were all like my huge, like, Oh my God, like I can do so much stuff with these inks and you know, like this $8 pot, which is the same cost of like a teeny tiny, con- uh, you know, contrast paint thing. I can do like 100 times the amount of work out of yeah. it. And, and I get the same sort of effect out of it. I'm just like inks are the way to go. And it's so it's all kind of like the tools that I've kind of figured out. And so like airbrush and ink was like huge. But just getting that airbrush to actually work was like that first like, okay, oh, my God, I can do this. So So out of curiosity, what size is the needle on your airbrush? Uh, So <laughs> the one that I, I was clogging was uh-huh. um, it was a point five uh, Pash Talon. Well, it, it should have been fine. It should wow. have been totally fine. It's huge. Yeah. And what, and it's I, like a garden hose. I, yeah. The thing was, uh, it, it, it was real, really problematic. And, wow. um, I don't, I don't know what I was doing wrong. And, um, and I, once I got, I stopped using that airbrush too. Mm-hmm. I, it's never been good. I've always had problems with it. Once I got even like my cheap master's airbrush, it was better than this Pash one. And I, I don't, I don't know why. Um, once I got that, uh, I took part of the Badger, uh, you know, birthday uh-huh. uh, purchasing airbrush thing. And got like a Sotar 2020. I've been using yeah. Chrome Renegade XL or something. Great airbrush. That thing, I have like so many people talk crap on it online. It's just been awesome for me. The Renegade Chrome has been my my go-to after because uh, I've got – I did I, – the birthday celebration i did the same thing i i picked up a um extreme patriot 105 yeah and, i got one of those um, too and then i picked up a chrome from a buddy who bought his the previous birthday so mm. i got the i got the chrome i got the 105 i've had a sotar forever um but man the chrome is great i really enjoy it so it's dude, a real workhorse yeah that's something airbrushes seem to be something that are very specific from person to person because I know people that hate Badger because they just can't get Badger to work for them. I've never sure. had a problem with Badger. I know other people that use only Style and Res, and I use primarily Style and Res myself, and they they can't get Vi- the Viejo Surface Primer to work. And other people swear by the Viejo stuff. So it seems to be something weird about about all of this that it's just goes from person to person on what works best for them. And, um, yeah, more so than paintbrushes in some ways, which is really strange. What are you going to do? You figure, I'm glad you figured something uh, you, out that works for you. It's, it's one of those problems with like, you know, everybody has their, like their way that they want to work with a product. Yeah. And, you know, like it makes me want to try a bunch of different things. I just don't have the money to like, like a harder and steam back would be great. Uh, you know, MinMax has mm-hmm. been bragging about hers since she got it a couple months ago. And I'm just like, yeah, I want that. But like, I just don't have the extra money to be throwing. At just that keep right pushing now. the podcast, keep pushing your interviews, eventually get big enough where you can request one. I mean, like once, <laughs> once people start sending me airbrushes to demo for free, like that's when I'll know I've made it. <laughs> Awesome. I have a cat that just uh, like snuck into the room, but yet he's being creepy and not coming close. He's oh. like hanging out like halfway through the room and I have a chair for him. I always have a chair for him, but he just doesn't want to come and hang out with me. Are you going to make it? Do you have a cat cam for your stream? 
I need to get one. You need to do now a that I've cam. seen giggling gets one. Like that's one of the most brilliant things I have ever seen. Like cat oh, cams are awesome. Cat cam. <laughs> all right. So right now with all of the different tools you're using and the different discoveries you've made over the last couple of years, is there something that um, that kind of defines your style right now? I mean, everyone's style continues to grow and things, but is there an approach to color or priming or the way you work with light or the way you prep your models that is kind of unique to your style? The one thing that I can say about my style versus like what feels to be the uh, common uh, thread of what you know people are doing in the mm -hmm. hobby, um, the thing that I do differently is I like I like like that '90s comic book style, like like really gaudy colors, you know, because they were still figuring out the you know yeah. computer shading and stuff. So like purple was like really purple and red was really red like but 90s like, x-man right exactly yeah. and then but then you have like the todd mcfarlane inking and stuff mm -hmm. like that so you know you then hit it with like really harsh contrast um not like full-on like epic duck style uh although i do want to try that one of these days but like i really like that like super bright model look that then gets dropped down in a world that they're going to get covered in gunk and like horror it's um it's just i find it really fun to look at so that's kind of i think the difference right now where i'm at and eventually it'll probably change i'm i'm leaning more towards fast not okay. blending brush strokes i want things to like be a little bit more uh deconstructed feeling okay. where like if i don't have to paint an arm I'm going to barely paint it. Like it'll just get a little like highlight and that's it because really it doesn't matter so much. If like you can point a visual narrative to a different mm -hmm. part in the model. So I'm kind of playing with stuff like that right now. Awesome. Are there, are there any other artists that you're kind of looking to for how they executed that, that particular style? Cause that's not a, that is an uncommon style, but it's not a style that I, that I've not seen before. Um, yeah. I, I just think that like, I like looking at what everybody's doing and seeing what works and what doesn't, you know, okay. like I don't, I don't have any, that's kind of the cool thing with me. And I think why my podcast works the way it does is that I don't really have that, that, you know, the, this you know super fan sort of mentality with everybody because like i can see something in you know almost every single model online i'm like ah that is really cool you did a great job on this specific thing and those are all things that just like get locked into the memory yeah and and so like i don't know like i really enjoy like certain people's paint styles but like i never find myself being like i want to do skin tones like shoshi because sure. if i if i fumble it like then i just have a shitty looking model but like if i use her knowledge in a way that works in my style then it you know nobody can tell you you're doing it wrong if they don't know what you're doing is kind of kind of the mentality <laughs> i like to have awesome right, i gotta let this cat out i'll be right okay. back no worries Hope everybody's doing well. Thank you guys so much for hanging out tonight. I appreciate it. We're going to have a fantastic night. He was digging into my terrain box. I'm like, Ooh, okay, you nope, got go. Not acceptable. <laughs> so when you're planning a new project and you, you know, you've got your inspiration going, the music's going or whatever you need, what's the first thing that you do? Like, do you, yeah, like, what's the first thing you do other than choosing the model? <laughs> uh, if it's not already built, I I build it. Okay. Um, If I, and then I look at it and go like, do I need sub-assemblies? Which I hate. I hate sub-assemblies. <laughs> I don't understand. I, <sighs> I have a lot of hot takes. Okay. Sub-assemblies is a hot take. Like, why? Why I like watch people like 
paint a space marine head on like a toothpick i'm like why once you put it into the space marine his head is covered up like this like why did you spend all that time on a head when you can't see it you could enter it into competition and they're not going to notice this part like they're not looking at your model and being like you missed you missed the taint you know like they don't care they're looking at the model and being like is this executed well is it like when they start seeing problems yeah maybe they'll dig deeper but they aren't that concerned with it and so it's like i can leave off very large parts of detail mm-hmm. if they're obscured like they're they would literally have to break your model to look at them sure. so like why why spend all the time <laughs> and just so like the creature caster stuff i find myself being like if i can't see this a judge is probably not going to see this and you know like so why spend the time so if I don't have to paint in sub-assemblies, I really will avoid it. Okay. So you kind of assemble the model and then put as much of it together as you can. What about when you're deciding, you know, when do you, when do you decide what kind of base you're going on? Cause you talked before about, you know, you envision what battlefield they're taking part in. Right. <laughs> where does that, where, where do those decisions come in? Where do those, those more creative you know, those, those decisions that you make as a creative person, um, where did they came in, come in, in your process? They typically come in like right at the beginning. I like to, I like to use, uh, sawdust as like my basing, uh, like, so like, you know, wood glue or PVA or Mm -hmm. super glue, if I'm in a real hurry and like, I, I will just put it on the base and then I'll prime over it and I'll okay. paint it. I, I I rarely use like, excuse me, basing materials that are like the color of what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. And like, I think that that's a really good way to speed up an army. But if you're like doing a one-off, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have this kind of matching ground. Like when I can paint the ground texture sure. the way I want it. Uh, so like, usually it starts then. And so like, if the model is a, a one that I get to choose the pose, I, as I'm playing on the pose, I'm like, is the sword up? Is the gun out? Is, you know, whatever I'm doing there, then it's like, is his leg up? It, you know, is he standing on a dead body? It, you know, I that's when I start to play with the base. And especially if I get something like more than 40 mil, then I'll spend some good time on it trying to just get like, foreground background sort of thing just so like it just doesn't feel like a model in the middle of a circle sure gotcha so um question about the the age-old argument do you do you um prime and paint the model separate from the base and completely separate or do you assemble the model and assemble the base and prime them at the same time while they're attached to each other a lot of the time together, um, okay. just depending on like, like, so I just did one of those, um, uh, blood carrot night cats and, uh, his, he had a stone base that I wanted to do a better job, like dry brushing and, you know, making each stone kind of look unique mm-hmm. and his cloak blocked out a lot of it. So I like, I painted it like there was a shadow there. So the back end would be more, uh, you know obscured yeah but like you know that i primed him at the same time i just like you know then separated him and and painted it Mm -hmm. and then put him back on uh but typically like if i can get away with it i like it all to be together it just gives you something easier to hold on to sure painting a thing or you know like like i did that queen of onslaught and i just i did too much osl stuff on it and so I had to do it separately. And I was just like, I hate this. I, you know, <laughs> wearing a glove, trying to like balance it around. I'm like, I hate this. What am I doing? And the, the second I got it like glued to the base, I was like, thank you. Cause I actually had something solid I could hold on to. Gotcha. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of advantages to both of them being together, but there, I can definitely see some disadvantages. It's, it's always interesting to see how different painters approach that because it it seems to be very style-based i think sure and uh well, and, you know, do you ever get the problem when you like do the base separately and you put the feet on and then if one foot looks like it's floating or something absolutely dumb, like, yeah 
like, I don't like this. And I don't really want to go back and try to fix it after it's yeah. all done. So that's why I like to do them together whenever I can, because like if it, I, you know, I don't care if you get muck on the boots, they're out in like a battlefield, they're getting muck on the boots. Sure. So, it's just, it's just pre-weathering, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've heard, I've heard people in your community reference something called grunge painting. What is this? Uh, secretly. It is just a way for me to get things done in a faster time period. Okay. <laughs> but I think that we all get way too in our heads about what we're going to do with a model. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, like, I, I'm much more of a punk kid. And I would love to say that this is punk painting. But, uh, you know, punk had too much of a statement. It was too political. Okay. Or grunge, I think, was more emotional and more artful even though there were people like Eddie Vedder, who was very political, uh, you know, like the difference between like, <laughs> like Rush versus Nirvana mm-hmm. is that Rush is this like technical mastery yeah. and Nirvana could barely play their instruments on bleach. <laughs> but yet they changed the world. Like, so like, why can't we do that in painting? Like, why do you have to know how to properly blend everything if there's something that you can get an effect that you like, if you can get, uh, if you have a vision, a vision that you just want to execute on and not, you know, spend too much time. And so like part of the rules are like, if it's a small model, give yourself an hour, see where you're at in an hour. Okay. And then if, if it's close enough, call it done. Like, like don't, don't get mired into the details. And it doesn't mean that you can't come back later and clean it up. But at that point, I want you to like take the time to look at your model and be like, I did this and it is excellent. Or I did this and it is horrible. <laughs> and understanding, being like self-introspective of what you're doing. Like, so I was working on uh, Zonia the other day. She, to me, looks unfinished. Three hours. It's very good for three hours. But what I did notice is that the base looks awesome. The stone that I did looks great and that's something that i did on accident because i left a huge brush stroke mm. and i was like what am i going to do with this brush stroke and i was like well i'm going to paint it like sandstone that's something i'd never done before and that's something that i wouldn't have done if i wouldn't have been just like you know we're doing it live we got to get this done yeah. and uh and so that's kind of the idea of grunge painting like push yourself don't don't be too precious with your model like yeah, I know they all cost money, but you can't ruin it. You're not going to ruin it. Just get paint on it, follow your heart, follow your gut, look at it at the end of three hours. If you feel happy with it, put it away, move on to the next thing. Try to learn something new, try a new technique. And then, you know, give yourself a couple of weeks, a month with it, and then come back and be like, I want to make the skin better Mm -hmm. and then work on the skin. But like the idea of like, if you can feel good about it in a month, then why waste the extra 10 hours on it? Like, I don't understand that sort of mentality of us just being like, this one model is the most precious thing ever. Like it isn't, it's just another thing that keeps you from your big pile of shame. So it's kind of, kind of my mentality with it right now. Gotcha. Well, thank you for elaborating on that. I do like the idea of, of you know if you're not trying to do a portfolio piece or if you're not trying to do like a competition piece right bang stuff out i like that (laughs) like like paint any you know what do it for competition like i won a bronze medal on a model that i spent four hours on oh wow like i was playing with a thing and i was like and i turned it in because it was done (laughs) like literally it was one of the only models that i had done at the time i was like well i'll just turn this in sure and they're like you did a great job on this. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, and the one model that I put 50 hours into also got a bronze. So it's like, you know, who's to say what's right and wrong? Like they both looked cool. Why, why kill yourself over every piece? Yeah. You know, they don't all have to be that. That's great. Okay. So what's something you want to try with a miniature, but you're hesitant to try? 
Um, I've mentioned it before, and I don't really know how to do it. Okay. But, like, 90s comic books are, like, mm-hmm. my jam. Mm-hmm. Even though Frank Miller is a very problematic person, <laughs> Sin City was a very formative comic book in my growing up. The stark black and white contrast yeah. is so cool. Like, I want to do that, but in 3D. So, like, every surface is white. Every surface is white, except for, like, the black, you know, bullet hole going through somebody's head. You know, something like that. There's but no I no gradients, no grays, just white and then stark black with harsh shadow lines. Like, harsh. Exactly. No, just as as sharp as you could be with, like, one thing of color. You know? Yeah. Whether that's like that's the blood or you know whatever it's gonna be, sure. it's gotta be. I want to do that, but I I don't I don't know how to execute on that yet. So it's the one thing I keep on dreaming about. One of these days, I will come up with the idea. I'll figure it out. But right now, it's just a dream. Yeah, I can see how you would could take off from regular quote unquote regular comic book style because um, a couple of people did like. Mike Mignola style, which is very yeah. similar to Frank Miller, but you know, obviously it has very more similar. color and a little bit more gradient to it. So if you can get used to doing like Epic Duck style and then try Mac Mignola's and then go to Frank Miller, I think you could do it. Um, but I definitely see the, the difficulty of figuring out where those shadows are going to be. Cause that shadow placement is going to be massive. Like that's going to be super and you important. You have to do it right. Yeah. Like if you do it even a little bit wrong, the whole thing's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> so it's absolutely. kind of one of those. Like I'll have to like probably build the diorama, mm-hmm. take a photo of the angle that I want it, and do that into harsh black and white. Yeah. And then try to recreate that. And that's something I've never done. So it's just like like I... finding the piece to do. Yeah. And then finding the time to to actually set up the pieces to do it because like. In the end, it'll be like three colors, which mm-hmm. to some people would be like, that's not that cool. But if you can get it at the right spot and take oh. a three-dimensional thing and basically turn it 2D, like, I'm excited. Yeah, that could look absolutely amazing. I want to see you do that. Okay, cool. I'm glad. You're the only person who seems excited about that. Really? <laughs> Every time I mention it, everybody's like, eh. And I'm like... Dude, I think that this will be cool. <laughs> I think no, I think that's I think that could be really cool. It could also be a massive disaster, but I honestly think it could be really cool. Well, we'll know one of these days. Yeah. All right. So, as a miniature painter, what's the biggest challenge you've faced so far? Um I think I think just the comfort with it. So like, I was never an artist. Mm-hmm. I am a horrible two two D artist. And it, that was never nurtured in me. Uh, I was a musician, and uh, and for me, kind of never the two shall meet. And so, being in my late thirties, like learning a whole new thing as my eyes are slowly not working the way I want them to, like <laughs> getting comfortable with putting paint on a model starting off using like only army painter and reaver paints you know mm-hmm. from like their old kits and stuff like i was having a lot of troubles just getting comfortable with the models and and the paint and once once i got comfortable with the process and how to load just even like the like easy things of loading paint on a paintbrush mm-hmm. that's it takes a little bit of skill to figure out how you like to paint. And um, my my mother-in-law is an artist, so I've picked her brain quite a bit over the past about what she likes and how she does it. And she, she inevitably tells me I'm doing just about everything wrong, uh, but she loves the outcome. So, like, we just don't talk about the middle part. All right. That is definitely getting getting all of those basics down, especially as you know, someone I I've never been a super artistic person either. I'm a very analytical person. I've had to, you know, approach painting from an very analytical point of view, like light, 
hits the model because light works in X, Y, and Z ways. And therefore it refracts in, in certain ways or it hits certain surfaces sure. because of overhangs and things like that. Like I have to understand that before I can just do it. I can't just, you know, <laughs> just do it. This yeah. looks right. But, like that doesn't make sense to me. But the analytical eye and mind is something that I think a lot of us don't have. Like we don't mm -hmm. look at our environment and understand why our living room makes us feel good and doesn't make us feel good. Like I think that we are all like a little too wrapped up in like the stuff and not what the stuff does. Okay. And so I think having that analytical mind, it allows you to actually be like way ahead of the curve. It allows you to like nail techniques that other people are still struggling with because they don't think about cascading lights, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, so highlight places placement is difficult. I'm like, look at my skin. Like, where are the, the hot spots? Like, what, what's going on here? I'm not just pink. Like, I mean, I'm pink as hell, but like, like <laughs> what, like, what is this? Like, why, why is this shiny? It's because I'm oily. What does that yeah. do to the, you know, and like, just getting people to stop and think about that is, uh, you know, if you, if you just take a couple minutes to like, be quiet and look at your environment and look at how light is bouncing off of stuff, you'll be an awesome miniature painter. You just need to stop and look at it, <laughs> you know, and like take in what you're doing because painting isn't really painting. It is causing light to reflect back at your eye. Mm -hmm. And if you've painted it wrong, it's because you don't understand what light is supposed to be doing there. And the scale's just different. That's yeah. that's the the trick. It's all optical illusions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Highlights and shadows and midtones, they're all optical illusions to trick your brain yeah. into thinking that miniature is bigger than it is and light's going to affect it in the same way it would if the person was like in, you know, life-size proportions. We're, we're literally we're, we're, lying to each other's eyes. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're magicians. We're that, and that's really what it is. And I, and I try to like, get people to like feel comfortable with that term but it's true like we're we're we are literally lying to you with our colors are you saying they that, are are you saying that we're wizards oh we are absolutely wizards <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right so so far what has been your biggest disappointment or failure on a project I don't think I've had one like in the like I've had things that I just didn't like the way they looked. Okay. Um, but I've never had like a straight up failure. Like I've repainted my Phoenix from Kingdom Death three times. Okay. But like each time was to the best of my abilities at the time I did it. And the first time just like when I looked at it, you know, six months later, I was like, oof, oof, like, like this is not good, like your color theory is all wrong through here. And then, so mm. I just primed back over it. All of you guys that just like strip your models, stop it, <laughs> just prime over it. Like seriously, like, unless you like paint it on it super thick, just prime over it. Stop like, or, or, you know, just add paint on top of it. Why do you have to strip a model? It's just an extra step of you not getting the paint on your model the, the way that you want it. And you know, like, I don't know like I don't they they aren't precious to me they're just mm -hmm. toys they're just stuff and so like I've never I've never looked at one as like an Everest like I've never been like this is the thing that I need to conquer and because to me they're all like learning blocks you know gotcha. so everyone like you know yeah like I'm not gonna go out and buy another phoenix so I'm gonna repaint it if I don't like it but like every step of the way I felt like I had a huge victory from the step before. Like, so I don't know, like, I, I think I look very differently at, at the, the thing that we do, you know, like yeah. even if I don't win a gold at competition, the fact that I even am doing it and people are looking at it and think it's good is like brilliant to me. Even if I don't place, I had like several things not place. And I was like, at least I did it, and yeah. other people looked at it. <laughs> you, you were you were there, and people saw it, 
Right, exactly. No, I think that mindset is really, I, I think it's more common than most people um, realize, but within the competitive or hot, super high-end painting scene, I think that your point of view is a little less sure. uh, common because a lot of people do look at these miniatures that they've completed as individual pieces of like work that stand by themselves. And once they're done, that's part of my portfolio and I don't change that. Like, sure. That's like, look, I'm sure plenty of high level artists do this, but it's like Picasso showing a, one of his finished pieces of work at a gallery. And then later he paints over it and paints something completely different on top of that same canvas. I think some artists would look some miniature painters would look at it like that. Um, but ultimately it's the artist's decision and what they're comfortable with and what they want to do. So yeah. I think it's, and, uh, and you know, like, what do you, I mean, what are you, what are you going to do with these? Are you selling them for a million dollars? Cause if you are like, yeah, don't paint over them. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if they're just yours and they're in your your shelf and you feel that you've gotten better, like here's here's a prime example. I busted my ass for Resin Beast 2020 yeah. uh, back for Adepticon. I like I got this model that I was really thrilled about, and everybody's like, "Well, you could always bring it to the next one." And I was like, "Why would I bring this model to the next Resin Beast? Like, why would I do that?" And like, because you already did it. It's like, yeah, but by the next resin piece i'm gonna be a better painter yeah like why, why would i not do a better piece and, that's and valid like uh like nobody was thinking of it that way there were mm -hmm. there, there's a mentality uh and i was talking with min max about this the other day and she she used the perfect term that it is uh people like to think of things from a state of poverty like there's only ever going to be so many good models that you produce and the way I look at it is my next model is always going to be the best model I produce. Like, like there's, it's an unending well of stuff to go back to. And if like this one is your like Magnus, you know, Magnum Opus, like, <laughs> like that's a really disappointing thing. Cause it means like your next one's not going to be as fun. And the one after that's not going to be as fun. Like that is valid. I think that you, you should look at everything like I'm going to learn stuff. I'm going to have fun with this. This is this is a lifetime hobby. It is not a sprint. It is a marathon. You are in it for the long haul. So just enjoy it while it's here and while your eyes are still working. Yeah, it's kind of important. <laughs> I think that's a good I think that's a really good perspective. I think that's uh, a really good way of looking at things that. You know, the next the next piece is your next best piece i and, feel so uh, bad that i'm just calling out people for stripping models and someone in this chat is like as i'm stripping models while watching this like it's a personal decision know, it's, a, it's a personal decision <laughs> i'm very sorry for calling you out but next time just try priming over <laughs> <laughs> what's something you did that you think you did really really well at but nobody noticed <laughs> As long as we're uh, I, as long as we're throwing shade, as long as, the one thing that I know I did really well at, uh, I I was working a Kingdom Death uh, um, commission last year, mm -hmm. and I did the I, I should have just traded out my uh, you know antelope versus theirs because they never would have known the difference. Like they didn't know that my antelope like they I painted them very similar, uh -huh. but I did the this like diorama base where i use like the um the woodland scenics water effect and i had made this little like bubbling brook growing through this little little tiny base and i just did this whole thing and i like worked for like almost two weeks trying to get that water the way i wanted it to and when i showed him he's like yeah that's cool oh. <laughs> and i was like like i should have given you mine like <laughs> this one i'm like really proud of this and you just like the effort just like way whatever is cool ouch yeah that's, i mean uh, i was trying something i learned something that's had good i'm doing it <laughs> but still but still what's the biggest risk you've taken on a miniature project that's paid off for you uh oils the the okay 
the these guys, the um Mr. Weathering uh multi-black oil washes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Cause they grime up a model instantly, but like you can play with them and manipulate them in such a way and then go back over and you know throw a coat of var- varnish over top of them and then incorporate it into the grime of a model. Like I thought I'd ruined a piece with that. I was like, ooh. Ooh, this is bad. This is really bad. I, I got it all over. I got it all over the skin. Yeah. But after like spending like 20 minutes just kind of manipulating and getting it right, like it was one of those I was like, brilliant product. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Just take the, your time to get it right. Like otherwise, it's it can be a little scary. Awesome. Do you have any words of advice for people who want to try oils? Um. So, like, I am terrified of the full oil experience. Mm-hmm. Like I think that, you know, James Wapple doing it great. I love watching Eni doing it. I think that it's exciting seeing people use a new medium. I am never going to do oils that way. I just, okay. I, I don't have a week to wait for something to dry. <laughs> like, that is there's fair. Just, like that whole thing. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to wait. I'm I'm not going to, I like working too much all over the model and I'm not good enough. Like I've watched Wapple do it and I've just been like, wow, this is impressive. I'm not that, I don't have that much care. Uh, and so mm-hmm. like, I need acrylics, I need them to dry, but for using oil in things like washes and mm-hmm. shades and filters, they're really, really unique. And, uh, there's like, <laughs> okay, so here's really what it is stop reading white dwarf and what they tell you to do and go look at like scale modeling look at the uh what is the the grim dark warhammer thing where they do all the blanchetsu stuff inquisition 28 and blanchetsu yeah there we go then look at those things and like go okay (laughs) like this is a cool technique where did they get this from it's from scale modeling it's from you know historical war gaming yeah. Start looking at different, you know, communities and trying to understand what makes their models look good and their dioramas look good and incorporate them into yours because they're all using enamels and oils and mm-hmm. things and pigments like, like go deep. There's so much cool stuff out there. Just like learn, I mean, like the Gundam people have so many things that would be brilliant for space Marines players, but like how many space Marines players are learning Gundam stuff, you know, that sort of go out and steal unashamedly. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do not be ashamed to steal from everywhere. Right. All right. So what's been your biggest looking back on the last couple of years, what's been the biggest triumph for you? (laughs) <laughs> easily the biggest triumph was getting done with my rising sun commission mm. which i thought that that was going to be like i'm painting seven models from the core rising sun box oh, for no. a friend i i did like all 38 of the uh the um um i can't even remember what they're called i banned them all from my memory like all the uh <laughs> <laughs> they're not kaiju they are the, the spirit god things yeah you I did all the lucky them. gods and you did all the all the the gods and the monsters yeah i did them all I, the only things i didn't do were the uh the little like troop guys mm-hmm. you didn't want those because they were in colored plastic and i was like sure thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> but i mean that took me six months and um by the end i was i was glad i learned so much cool stuff i i that's how I met Min Max, like, mm-hmm. because we we're literally painting the same models at the same time. Uh, and so, like, I made good friends while doing it. But that was like, I was so ready for that commission to be over. And I way undercharged, like, mm. way undercharged. And uh, and so after that, I'm just like, I'm never doing that again. I have to always make money. <laughs> yep. We live and learn. Yep. It's good to know because I have all of the rising stuff sun stuff up on a shelf that i'm going to break out someday and paint because they're beautiful models but some of them are awesome like um the i think the the onis that's what they're called the onis Mm -hmm. the oni of skulls is the blue 
the big blue guy mm-hmm. he was he was so much fun to paint like i just like that's one that would like i would probably paint him one more time especially now that i have all these cool pro acryl paints where like blue is so much more fun to like use but like that model like he's got like little faces on his knees he's just a cool model like i had a really good time painting him that's awesome i think it would definitely be cool for you to get you know see if you can pick him up as a single and just <laughs> see how well you do uh it would be a whole new world the guy who i painted him for you know good friend of mine he didn't want me to do anything cool with the bases and so oh. like i just had like painted like gray platforms and black mm-hmm. rims and i was like i would love to see this guy on like stepping on like a samurai or something cool like yeah. he's just like a badass model it was that was i uh yeah that was one of my first big ones that i was like yep i really love doing this that's awesome all right so why do you continue to paint miniatures you're into music you've you've done a lot of other things what is it about miniatures that bringing you back i i just i mean i like i like painting i like Mm -hmm. the community i like the models i like the games like my wife is always shocked at like how many hobbies i've done and you know from music to close-up card magic like Mm -hmm. I've, i've done a lot of weird things in my life and she was always like you never really seem to like click with the community. You make friends, but you don't like really love what everybody's doing. And I'm like, well, I don't love what everybody's doing in minis either. And she's like, yeah, but you love the mini community. Like that is true. I very much do. Uh, and so like, I think that this has like the perfect amount of cross section of like creative people and like um, altruistic minds. Like everybody wants mm-hmm. to help somebody. Nobody, nobody is saying i don't want you to learn how to paint like me because you're gonna beat me in a competition mm-hmm. where like everybody in music's like i don't want you to learn my songs and learn my style because i want to get famous doing this one thing and gotcha. with the exception of like the squid mars the miniacs and the world brent Goobertown, mm-hmm. we are <laughs> none of us are going to get famous and or rich like we are all going to do this thing because we are really passionate about it and we're passionate about the community that we are in and um and while we may make friends we might touch people we might talk to really cool people and send it out in podcast or youtube form for people to feel good uh, and you know connected to the artist but like we will truly be doing it because we just love it and we love i love seeing people do great things i like i've seen pa- painters being like i've been only doing this for six months and they're crushing it and i'm just like yeah this is so inspiring to me like i love this every time i see someone do a good job it just like makes me excited to do my next good job you know i don't know i love it yeah and you know i've been painting for i've been involved in in warhammer and on and off painting for over 20 years uh, there was definitely a, a few year gap in there, but when I see people who have only been painting for a few years blowing me out of the water, like I'm like, okay, I I need to sit down in front of you and you tell me, <laughs> teach me, because I'm obviously not learning as fast, and and that's fine, but sure. what what am I missing? Please help me, because you know you're right. We're we're a very supportive community and i think we're becoming more and more supportive there was a time where painters weren't teaching talking to each other like at all oh really um yeah there was definitely there was definitely a time a lot of the longtime commission painters or longtime uh competitive painters have told me about it that at one point no one really talked to one another because the internet wasn't a thing and people protected their their secrets especially Uh. well before the internet started um, or the inter- the internet in was a, a major thing. At sure. that time people protected their secrets because it 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 kept them at the top of the pack. The internet's changed that a lot. And yeah. we've just grown into this incredibly mostly 
very supportive community that I'm very proud to be part of. So, yeah, it's, it's been um, awesome. I don't think people understand it, unless if you've done other hobbies where there are people actively working to like, you know, in music, there are people actively working to get your spot on a bill all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> and True. like, uh, you know, it just feels weird to always have a target on your back. And I don't feel like that here. The target that's on me is because I put it here because sure. I go out and I talk to people and I say some fucking spicy shit. And I've been called out a bunch and I love it. Like these are the, those are the conversations that I want to have with people because yeah, we're not talking, we're not thinking these things and somebody can't defend the reason why they're doing something then we need to really look at why we're doing it. And if you can, you can give me a good response. Like I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be like wrong about my assumptions on something because it means that I didn't understand it. And now I do. And that is a gift that someone has given to me. And if somebody thinks that like they, this is the only way to do something and they can have that moment of like, like, oh my God, I just learned something new or some this thing challenged me and I tried it and you're right. You know, like that's huge. Those are Absolutely. moments of growth. And um, and that's all I want people to do is grow. Absolutely. Right there with you. So what's been the best piece of advice you've received regarding painting miniatures? I mean, I think just like because I I came up from the YouTube community watching, mm-hmm. like m- my best piece of advice is like, I bet you Vince Venturella did a video on it. You know, like it's like that. Like, don't ever think that there isn't somebody else who hasn't already tried something that you <laughs> want to learn yeah. and has probably made a good video about it. Like, I think that that's that's the advice. Like. Never think that what you want to do, you're the only person who have thought of it. You know, like mm-hmm. I know that my Frank Miller idea is I'm not the only person who have thought about doing something like that. Will I be the first to execute it? Who knows? If I'm not, I don't care. I Like actually someone do it for me so I can see how it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> you still want to do it regardless. Right, right. I'm going to I'm going to try it. But like, you know, like, don't be afraid to look for help. And um. And before, before you ask a question that could be Googled, Google it. <laughs> People actually really like that. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how, how much it cuts down on, on repeat questions if people Google things first. But hey. it's, uh, you know, every, every YouTuber that has great tutorials also has a list of all the tools that they use. Just click that list. Look at it. Do a little bit of research. So I know uh, before you said that every miniature is you're making it better than the one before that. And you don't really have, you know, kind of like a magnum opus piece. But do you have a unicorn project? Like if time and money were no barrier, is there a particular project that right now you would just love to do? The, so there's this guy, I believe his name is A. Demov or something. Mm-hmm. He does those giant titans out of Russia. Yeah. Um, like, I want to paint a giant warlord titan. And <laughs> and time and money, like, if I could just do whatever I want and work on it for, you know, like 40 hours a week and, like, just only do that for a job. Yeah. I want to do a titan where it is in the triptych of uh in the the garden of uh earthly delights by uh Hieronymus Bosch mm-hmm. where yeah, one side would be the hell side and I would be like playing with like a little bit of like chaos space marine like iconography on the big panels but then like you have like your heaven side and you have this like whole scene of butts and weird bugs and you know like I, I love that painting so much and I really want to see it incorporated on a mini for some reason. And I think you could only do it on a mini that's like two feet tall. Awesome. At least properly do it. That would be a heck of a Titan, man. <laughs> 
All right. So where can we find you online? Online is very easy. Uh, you search my name and you will find uh, my YouTube channel because my YouTube channel is just my name, Heath Aldrich. You can search Hobby Time in the Murder Basement. That'll take you to me as well. I am on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Literally, I think I'm on every uh, podcast platform, Hobby Time in the Murder Basement. And you can go back. I think I'm now at like 33 episodes up now. Um, and I'm going to keep on putting out one a week until I literally can't do it anymore. Awesome. <laughs> Which I think you, you understand that feeling. You're like, I'm going to do it. Hell or high water. This is yeah. going to happen. Um, and, you know, if you find my music while searching me and decide that you want to listen to some of that, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, like I, I, I'm done with the pseudonyms and that, that making it hard to find me, just mm -hmm. search my name. You will find me. Awesome. Well, Heath, I want to say thank you so much for coming on to the miniature podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for making it through another episode of Hobby Time in the Murder Basement. I really appreciate your support. If you'd like to continue the support in other ways, I do have a Patreon. The link is down below. Proceeds from that will go to pay for new equipment, subscription fees if I need it, and uh, graphic design stuff. I'd like to help build this channel. So any of your support is, while never necessary, is always appreciated. If you wanna see more hobby stuff, you can head on over to Twitch. I generally stream on Sundays at noon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.